Welcome to Discipleship Discussions on the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. Discipleship Discussions is a series of conversations aimed to help move you towards a culture of discipleship in your own life by doing just that, discipleship, which is helping each other follow Jesus in all of life through the gospel. Helping us today is my good friend, Gijo Joseph. Uh, Gijo has worked in campus ministry for what seems like forever before there are even campuses, uh, both in the South and most recently pioneering the efforts of campus outreach in the San Diego area. He is a member at Redeemer Presbyterian Church in San Diego. He's the father of three boys and the husband of Amy, who has also helped us out on an earlier episode of this podcast, which I would encourage you to go back and listen to. So, Gijo, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tyler. So good to be here. Cannot believe that I could actually see in more than black and white right now. I'm seeing in technicolors. So that's good. You. Yeah, the, yeah. The age is being held off a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Gijo, one thing we really want to do is we want to th- help people think tangibly and practically on what discipleship is. And so we always start with kind of framing how we think, and then the rest of the podcast kind of gets to how we act. And so at Sovereign Hope, we try to define discipleship as helping each other follow Jesus in all of life through the gospel. And we find this is important for a number of reasons. One is that it actually helps us as the Bible helps us uh, know what discipleship is. When Jesus calls to make us disciple makers, he has something in mind. Um, and there's a lot of things that make that that up, but there are certainly things that don't fall under that category. And so when you think of discipleship in your life, how do you define it? How do you think it through? How do you know, okay, I'm doing discipleship? That's a great question. I I don't know if I, I love your definition there. Can you repeat it one more time for me? Helping each other follow Jesus in all of life through the gospel. Through the gospel, yeah. So I think that um, I might be borrowing that definition really soon and tweaking <laughs> a little bit, quote, borrowing. And, uh, <laughs> but I really like that uh, definition because, uh, one, um, at, at the core of that is following Jesus. And I, I, I grew up in a you know campus ministry environment where the question was always asked, like, either uh, who's discipling you or who are you discipling? Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that can get easily lost in some of that is the fact that Jesus is really our, our uh, is our discipleship leader ultimately. And mm-hmm. that um, even as Paul says later in Corinthians, when he says, follow me as I follow Christ, the following Christ is really uh, at the crux of that through the gospel. So um, a couple of things that we say often, and, and, and this is also in your definition, is that um, all of life is all with Jesus and um, all of life being, you know, our work life, our play life, our family life, our um, going to the grocery store, our, you know, working on Excel spreadsheets. Oh, is yeah. all meant to be with Jesus. And, you know, Mark, Mark 3 is a, a really cornerstone passage where Jesus said to his disciples, uh, or about, his, about his disciples, he chose the 12 that they might be with him and that he would send them out to preach. And, and I just love those words to know that, that Jesus really chose me to be with me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, the way that we experience that withness um, that is uh, being with him is really 
as we help one another. And so I, I think the things that you are talking about are really spot on. The one thing that we, I would just tack on to that from my, what I love about what Jesus did was that his discipleship really did begin um, with spiritual birth, you know, like, so that there's spiritual mentoring uh, could be a simple way of, 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 of talking about discipleship in, in the most simplest form. Um, but spiritual mentoring really starts with spiritual birth. And so even when Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men, um, there was a come and see season, I guess, if you will, where they um, began by following him. Mm. And so it really begins um, through and with evangelism. And it, it goes and it really does also follow through with us um, evangelizing others. Um, and he chose the 12 that they might be with him and that he would send them out to preach. Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Those are all just little snippets of of thoughts that uh, that surround how we think about uh, discipleship. And that's uh, that's a great reminder because I think in, even in being around you and my time in campus ministry too, it seems that the most transformative discipleship relationships are often those that see both the um, the conversion and the growth of the believer where you see someone come as as a sinner and apart from God and it clicks that Christ has come for them. And then you see them not only confess, but you get to get into those nitty gritty details of, you know, teaching a child how to walk. That's what all of us go through, whether we're saved at 16 or 60, um, mm -hmm. we're learning a whole new world in that. Mm -hmm. But how would you, how would you talk to someone about discipleship um, when they, there's this reality with discipleship and in campus ministry, it's really easy because you have that kind of life on life, like classes are all over the place. The schedule is cracked open across the calendar. We're in the church that tends to become more siloed, protected, scheduled, things like that. And so in campus ministry, discipleship is a culture that is often just caught. Like it's just the air you breathe. But then mm -hmm. for the average church member who hasn't had that kind of experience, how do you teach discipleship? Or how do you say, this is what we mean when we talk about helping people follow Jesus? Hmm. Well, you know, um, the thought that came to my mind as you were talking was that in a lot of ways, the Apostle Paul had a challenge that many of us do um, in that he wasn't always able to do life together all the time, like the campus ministry world does. And so uh, it seemed to me that he held up a value or a, a, just a, something that he was aiming at and that he really kind of went after that in whatever means possible. And um, I found it so fascinating even this past year of the pandemic that many of us have been isolated and, we look at Paul and many of his, the glimpses of his life and his ministry are from a very isolated place, namely jail. Mm. And, and yet there he is just really not just throwing in the towel, but saying, okay, what does it mean to, um, he says at the end of um, Timothy, do your best to come and um, join me because I'm wintering. I'm, I'm, I'm going to winter there, you know, like come right. join me. I'm going to, uh, do whatever he can. And so uh, I think the Lord knows um, the places that we're in. He knows the predicaments that we're in. 
At the same time, he also invites us um, to intentionally kind of pursue those relationships. And um, so one of the things that we, we say often in our context is um, the gospel can be preached globally. Like I can listen to you on podcast or listen to anyone just in Korea on podcast. It can be preached, um, but it must grow locally. In other words, mm. it, like um, when in the, the end of Hebrews, there's a great um, passage that says, remember your leaders. And it's often a, a verse that's used to, to talk to members about being a good member. Um, but I think it, it says a lot about leadership uh, and followership. He says, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you, uh, consider um, their way of life and imitate their faith. Um but there was something about that they were doing life together so much that that the writer of Hebrews could say, uh, "Remember how they acted. Remember what mm. they did. Remember what, what, what how they responded to their kids, and remember how they were at work, and remember all those things." And he doesn't say just do exactly what they said, but he says uh, imitate their faith. And so, mm. I, I think biblical discipleship is. Um, significant to do the best, do what you can to be around people and to do life with them. Um, but don't throw in the towel, you know? Um, right. So what we've, we've recognized is that we really want to live between five to 10 minutes away from people that we're in discipling relationships with so that that life on life dynamic can happen. And there's some folks recently who uh, just been recently married. And so it's really fun to have them come over to the house and have meals and see, you know, uh, parenting upfront and personal. Our, our joke is that that's a, uh, it's a uh, free birth control coming around. Hang out <laughs> that's right. Kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, we also have a young couple who now have their own children. And so our discipleship looks like, and do whatever it takes. Like we need to come over there and let right. them get a break and let them be together and let pray over their children. And, and one last thing in all this that I think is so critical that I need to hear is Paul's ministry of discipleship was such a ministry like drenched in, in prayer. And mm. um, so I, I, there's no short gap in any of that. And I think when we think about discipleship, we just think oh, I got to do, 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 do. And, and I find myself forgetting the, <laughs> that um, significant work of just being on my knees for the people that God has entrusted to me, his people entrusted to me for a short season. Um, that is, you know, so critical. So we could spend the rest of the time just talking about that, but I know there's more to it that we can talk about. So, Yeah, no, I found Sarah and I were just talking the other day actually about how easy it is when you look at your own church in your own context. Um, we're never at want for, I think every Christian goes through this season where you're like, oh my goodness, who do I disciple? And then God opens your eyes to like all of those who are in your community. And then you're overwhelmed with, oh my goodness, I can't disciple all of these people. And you're kind of crushed by the weight of this. And one thing that we've intentionally been doing is just making a list of people and just praying for them and knowing mm -hmm. that, because the truth is, is whether I'm there personally or whether I'm not there personally, it's kind of like what you're talking about with Paul that, and this is what Paul affirms that it's God who gives the growth, whether it's mm -hmm. Apollos, whether it's Paul. And so prayer is a huge component of discipleship. And for someone who doesn't know what discipleship looks like, and they're mm -hmm. wanting to grow in it, that might be the best place for you to start is actually mm -hmm. making a list of those who are in your community group, those who you know at church and just praying for their growth, praying for your growth as you help them grow. 
And I would even add, pray for your neighbors and, and, and bring those worlds together as best as you can. You know, like I know yeah. it's like, well, I've got my lost friends over here and I've got my church friends over here. I'm like, it's messy, but it's powerful to say, hey, um, we're having some, some of my church friends over. I'd love for you to come join us. Um, they're not as weird as you think they might be. Some of them are, but or maybe they are. The gospel's yeah. bigger than that. But uh, <laughs> so, yes. Gigi, I have a question for you. What um, what was it like in your life uh, when you look back and you say this was a really? I might not have been aware of it in the moment, or maybe you were, but you look back and say this was a really influential moment where someone was discipling me, and it could be you know a more formal. I was in this class doing this Bible study, or like recognizing this guy was just pulling me to be with Jesus, with him, wherever he was at. Mm. Um, you, you know, you said something earlier about uh, discipleship's caught. And I would just tell you a moment that I remember very distinctly. Um, there were two men that really influenced me more than most. And um, they weren't technically discipling me at the time, but we were all together with a group of guys um, all from the same um, ministry church, and we went to a baseball game, and that's where I, most good discipleship happens. Because the really, game is so boring, you have to, you know, occupy your time with something else. Yes, the the five minutes of action, um, like the, the weight of eternity is bearing down on you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I was actually uh, more of an introverted, kind of tired by myself. And so I sat behind everyone else. It just kind of happened to be watching the game and people at the same time. And the two men that influenced me, I, I began to realize, just I began to watch them. And one of them was very intentionally going from person to person to person throughout all nine innings. And you could tell the conversation started with them just laughing, having a good time, and then getting into things. While the other guy who discipled me just kind of sat there and just kept waving different guys on. <laughs> and and it, it blew me away. Two things blew me away. One, one was the intentionality that they had with that time that they spent. So it wasn't just about their game. And, and I really just wanted to watch the game and not talk to anyone really <laughs> selfishly in that moment. So why are you on my discipleship podcast? Exactly. Yeah. And um, because God used this in my life and changed me. And um, the, the second thing that kind of blew me away was how different people are different ways. And um, my one friend, Mike, had like three significant conversations. My other friend, Ken, had probably had 20. And, um, and it reminded me a little bit of how distinct uh, even Mary and Martha were. Um, yeah. If you look at the way they ran to Jesus or waited for Jesus when Lazarus died, just that God, you know, use, utilizes all of us, whether you're an introvert, you're an extrovert. And so that was a moment where I would just say discipleship was caught. And the thing that was most caught was the intentionality of like thinking for another's growth and making the most of the opportunity and really loving brothers um, with, you know, speaking the truth in love and, um, you know, that, that was a moment where I would just say like, it's kind of indelibly marked on me with like, and just simply the word intentionality. So I have a question for you because I think it's easy for us to, um, as, uh, in a discipleship equation, if you are one, and we understand discipleship is, is, uh, 
goes both ways, right? There's there's no clear discipler and disciplee because stuff goes back and forth. But there are, there generally is someone who is more mature in the faith and someone who is growing and learning in mm. the faith. And so when you are the more immature one or the one that needs help, in, in a mm. sense, it's easy because you're recognizing a need and you're seeing someone who can provide it. But what would you say to someone who is uh, a work in progress, as we all are in grace, but has been Christian for a number of years and who feels like it would be almost arrogant to look at someone else's life and say, how can I help them follow Jesus? You know, because there's kind of this like, it feels like you're imposing on them, like Mm -hmm. come and help me. And yet, as you mentioned, we see Paul call for that exact same thing. And so how is that idea of discipleship moving towards others? And I forget what you just said. You said for a desire to help them grow or a a kind of a wish to help them grow. Mm -hmm. How do we disassociate that from kind of this false sense of humility or overcautious fear of pride? Hmm. So, yeah, it's a really good question. And I think that, um, you know, uh, Paul says, by the grace of God, I am who I am in the sense of like, he just began to understand that all of life was grace, was a gift. And I, 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 maybe the, maybe the one, uh, the, the one command that's, I think, you know, I think there's, the, the keys coming to my mind when you talk about this is the the one anotherings, whether it's, you know, confess your sins one to another, love one another, um, speak the truth to one another, the one another. I believe there's 59 of them in the, um, in the New Testament. And so, you know, maybe the thought for you, if you're that type of person you just described, Tyler, is one is just like, I don't have anything to offer. I, I don't know if, you know, I, I've never been really taught and trained and those kind of things. Uh, maybe the command is not just go and, and, and try to disciple one another, but maybe it's like, let me be intentionally one anothering. Let me just mm. confess my sins one to another. Let me tell yeah. this brother what I'm struggling with, whether it's let me, um, you know, love one another. Let me intentionally spend some time with one another and then begin to realize it's just by doing the one anothering that you really are helping other people follow Jesus. And, and at the same time, be helped by one another. The proverb that always helps me and that really um there's two thoughts that just kind of continue to hit me. One is um, the proverb that comes to my mind is the one who waters will himself be watered. Mm-hmm. And it's one that we uh, quote often. And um, um, you'll have to remind me of the reference, Tyler, but Proverbs 11. I know. Cause we just preached on it. Ah, so look at that. Yeah, there you go. Um, but that, that idea that um, when you seek to um, help another you are far more help than, than you could even mm-hmm. begin yep. to imagine. And um, we have a group of friends that my wife and I are really close to. And it's a group of Asian American girls who just have been gone through a lot of trauma and of, of the last couple of weeks of uh, the, mm-hmm. the shootings that happened in Atlanta. And I call them partially to check in on them, but partially because I just wanted to learn from them because I know Mm. that they're made in the image of God. I know they're young sisters in the Lord, but I also know they're walking in the gospel and to hear them talk about wanting to forgive this person that's just random was like 
mind blowing to me. I, I, mm. I went there to minister and was ministered to, <laughs> mm. you know, to go, wait, you're, you're living in fear. You feel like your life is exposed. You feel like, you know, what you've experienced throughout your experience and, you know, and college campuses and even as young professionals now is on display and you're all you can think about is how do I forgive this guy and all the people <laughs> was just mm-hmm. ministering to me. And so th- the thing I would say is that because you know, and you recognize that you don't have everything to offer, but you know, the one who does, and you walk with the one who does, then um, one another, each other and and help each other and and be helped in the process yeah no i love that there's a it's in uh, it's either in exodus or leviticus and uh, i encountered the last two years in in reading through you know our bible reading plan because you're always super in genesis and leviticus or exodus leviticus you're still super dedicated to your bible reading plan because you've you're young in the year. Um, and uh, there's this one scene where the people of Israel go to Moses and he clearly doesn't know the answer. But what I love is he he says, let me go and ask God. <laughs> you know, he goes up yeah. to the mountain and, and we don't have the mountain, but we do have the same God. Uh, and, and we do have the gospel, which shapes things. Can, can I, that's a great point. And um, good for you to get through Leviticus. You're uh, not speaking for everyone, I must say. I just get hungry for barbecue when I'm reading it. So, <laughs> in fact, in well, fact Gijo, what 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 you could do is you could take this idea I've championed, and I want to start a barbecue joint named Leviticus. And you're from the South, and you're currently in Texas. And I feel like uh, we could, but I live in San Diego. So. We could we could save some souls for the cause of Jesus with good barbecue. <laughs> well, the thought that the, the other thing I was going to tell you is that this is not related to barbecue. This isn't related. I'm going to keep moving. Okay. I'm sorry. All right, all right, uh, that's fine. If you don't yeah, mind. I'll. uh, someone's got to be the mature adult yeah back to discipleship yeah um the thing that i and my team initially like what we began to realize is that discipleship is a team project and um so and yet there are there is individual or personal responsibilities and so to figure that out, we just kind of coined this term that we want to do team discipleship with point leadership. Mm. Uh, team discipleship, meaning there's going to be multiple people that help disciple you. And I'm playing a part by maybe being your discipleship leader or your small groups, you know, whatever your term is, um, you know, Sovereign Hope. But at the same time, so there is personal responsibility. You know, um, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, Paul said to Timothy, and the things you've heard me say, entrust these things to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. 2 Timothy 2, uh, 2 which begins with, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And um, so there's, in- there's intentionality, there's personal responsibility, but we do that in a, in a team format. You know, like if you look at the scriptures, you just cannot get away, uh, even when when Jesus said to his disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men that you as a plural um, reality and the fishers was plural. And so we're a team of people discipling people and the church is the best example of that. So yes, when Moses didn't know the way he talked to God, but when you as a discipleship leader don't know the way 
You can talk to your elders. You can talk to others as you talk to God great as point. well. So I would just say team discipleship point leadership is also a really critical piece that I would pass along. Well, I think even to the conversation we were just having, that's another way to create a culture of discipleship. Like you could go, so say you've got, you know, your friend Adam and you've been discipling him and you run into something in Adam's life, you don't know what to do. And so you go to your friend James and you say, James, this is kind of what Adam's going through. And obviously you're not gossiping or anything like that. We'll remove that equation from the the illustration. But now in asking that, James is aware like, oh, hey, I should be concerned about this kind of stuff in my right. life. Um, right. And it's advancing this culture and this uh, approachability in the church where yes. this is the the good and, and holy expectation of what's going on. Yes. So one thing I wanted to ask you about, Gijo, because I have seen it with you guys um, in the times we visited you guys in San Diego. Uh, we always like to hear what discipleship looks like in your life right now, um, like some practical examples. And you've got that showing up in a lot of ways, both at your church and in campus ministry and in your home. But you've started something pretty unique with your boys. And so why don't you give us kind of a little snapshot of uh, the age of your boys and, and what you're trying to do in that area and how that interacts with our call to disciple. Um, so my oldest is 13. My middle son is 12. And then our surprise blessing uh, last little one is uh, eight. And so the first two are uh, 15 months apart and, you know, I'm doing a lot of this discipleship and I've got a, an amazing staff team that really spends more time on the college campus than I do. And, um, and God has been so gracious to give me a group of like 20 guys. And now it's multiplied into multiple groups of, young professionals that are not in college that we're getting together and, and now multiple leaders are leading that. And so I was doing all this ministry to all these folks. And um, as I was praying for my kids, one day the Lord just put it on my heart. It's like, you know, you're doing all this discipleship and my kids were, my oldest was about to turn 13 at the time. He's about to be 14. And so it was, no, actually take that back. Um, it was 12. And so a couple of years ago and, it just dawned on me. I'm like, I'm giving the best of my discipleship thoughts out there, uh, outside of my family. And, and my kids are getting the rest of and devotional life and, and a youth group that's far away. Our church is 30 minutes away. And that's uh, part of the reason why we, um, but the campus ministry and the people we disciple are really close. That's where those 20 guys have kind of, you know, just come out of nowhere because, um, they uh, didn't have, uh, they had the church to worship at on Sunday morning, but the community and the life together was far away from them. And so, um, so we began to think about that. And my kids go to a public school and it's a really great school and uh, begin to ask the question, like, how do we um, create more of a brotherhood? How do we create intentional relationships? How do we create friends and friendships that uh, as a parent, we want to be in the lives of our, our kids, but also their friends. I think it's a really significant part of our discipleship. And then it gets an opportunity to disciple some other young, uh, young men. And so we reached out and began to look at our school and began to know that the Campus Crusade guys, a good friend of mine, and his son was in my kid's age. There's a counselor friend who's 
son was our kid's age. There's a couple of people that go to a different church um, whose kids were all at our kid's public school. And so I just reached out to a couple of the dads that I knew really well. And I said, hey, I'd like to start this. Would you guys like to start this with me? And they said yes, but then weren't able to really follow through because of work and other commitments. So I just started meeting with, at, at that time, six young boys. It's grown to about nine now. And uh, of ages 12 to 14, and we get together on Friday afternoons. And it's a lot of play. It looks a lot different than my men's group. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of sharing the gospel. It's a lot of uh, coming alongside and discipling them. It obviously looks a little bit different. And I'll just add one other dynamic to that that's been really fascinating. Um, it has, uh, one of the boys didn't know this when we started this group at the time, but um, very spiritually uh, astute, he really loves to pray. And he lost his dad um, mm. to COVID um, mm. four months ago. And so what we didn't realize was that this is going to be much more of a significant discipling um, adventure than we would have initially thought. And so every Friday I take him home so his wife doesn't have to take another ride. And, and we get about seven minutes in the car. That's just really precious. and We can talk about whatever. And so he's one of my kids' uh, best friends that I get a little bit of time with. And I've told my boys intentionally, hey, I want to get this time with this young man because, and, and they pray for that time. And it's only enhanced my parenting of them. And, and another kid's been really struggling with pornography. And mm -hmm. uh, his parents came to me and said, would you meet with them? <laughs> and I said, I'd absolutely love to meet with them to talk about these things. Yeah. But I'd like him to initiate it. And yeah. So it's just, we've created a, a, a lane. It's only two hours. You know, it's a lot of dodgeball. It's a lot of trash talking. It's a lot, a lot of talking about video games for about five to 10 minutes. Of How's your TikTok channel these days, Juju? Mine is terrible, but I've been, you know, in a cameo and a few others. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's non-existent. I yeah, that's good. But uh, yeah, I, I hope that gives the example of what you're, I think that's what you were asking about. And that's kind of. Um, yeah. So, so give us, um, so your title, which I love is little, little man tribe um, yep. is, is what you do. So can you just give us like a, you know, uh, a 30,000 foot flyover of what those two hours look like? Is there, well, I, I won't qual qualify anymore. I'll let you just answer the question. Well, ideally it's an hour and a half because there's only so much of uh, 10, 8 to 10, 12 to 14 year olds I can take. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, somehow they, your parents and them stretch it out, which is totally fine. The other thing that I will tell you is that one of the guys that I've been discipling, one of my old staff, he's now uh, no longer on staff, but going to be part of our church. And he actually found out about this and he loves boys that age. And I just said, what do you think about doing this with me? And he's That's like, awesome. I thought you would never ask. So oh, I get so cool. to disciple him while we disciple these boys together. So the first 30 minutes is uh, either playing knockout in my front yard or dodgeball in my backyard, which uh, they want me to keep tally and score. They're, they're boys, so very competitive. And some of the guys aren't as competitive, and yet they still like to get into it, and we end up doing different things. We usually come up with something that's creative so that – 
Um, not all the competitive boys will um, thrive. And so they've, um, we created an egg drop challenge where they, mm-hmm. um, we went and bought, bought a bunch of stuff from the dollar store and then they all had a draft and they got to pick their things that we dropped eggs from our roof and whoever, you know, so they created these little packages that, you know, or little floaty things or whatever to, oh, keep, to, the, to keep the egg from cracking. He, yeah. Egg oh, drop challenge. You. And uh, so there's just creative things that we've come up with. We did a skit that um, somehow my eight-year-old was part of every one of their little skits as, as, a, as an animal. <laughs> Don't know how he ended up in there. His, he's actually honing in his dodgeball skills. He's really, he might be better than two or three of the other. Okay, for, you have a prodigy in your midst. Well, or we have some really, really bad. Some stragglers, yeah. Well, Yeah. Um, but it's all that to say, so, so it's a lot of play. Then we have a snack and then we do, um, what is simply put as happies and sads. What was a happy from the week? What was your sad from a week? So we have a little time of connection and then we end with a devotion and, uh, my staff guy and I have like developed out, um, a list of topics that we found that we want our kids to be, uh, understanding kind of the way they think the way they um, they live <laughs> and the way that they are, the, you know, uh, uh, think, act, and be. So we just wrote out a few thoughts that we had and, um, and then began to say, okay, what do the scriptures have to say about these things? And what would be ready? What would being ready for high school look like? And so we've just been uh, walking through a lot of those things. And just recently we began to realize they just need a really deep understanding of, just gospel realities of salvation, like the, their, their understanding yeah. of salvation, because not all are believers. And um, so we've been going through Ephesians 2 um, that's great. recently. So that's it. And, and they're incredibly, they're incredibly, um, uh, uh, they, they're listening more than you realize, and they're incredibly disobedient at the same time. So at times <laughs> you're like, is this any, any of this coming through? But I mean, that's but, just parenting. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Why in two hours I'm kind of done parenting 10, <laughs> yeah. 10 and eight-year-old, I mean, 12-year-olds. It, it's, it's grown. It's grown to about uh, eight to 10 kids. So. Well, I love that. And I pray for, for much fruit in that. And it's something that even hearing it, like you said, it's, it's not rocket science. Uh, those are things anyone right. can do. The thing I didn't realize was how impactful it has been in the parenting and the discipling of my boys. Like I just thought I'm taking away time from my boys to spend with these other boys, but they are getting it. And they are actually, we've dropped the vision to them of like, Hey, when our eight year olds friends come around and when they turn 11, 12, um, my older boys are going to leave their little man tribe. That's awesome. So it's going to multiply that way. So that's great. I have some lightning round questions for you in conclusion. So first question, what is your favorite activity uh, to do with guys that's more of kind of like a a fun, casual discipleship? So, you know, playing board games, little man tribe, shooting hoops. Um, Every Monday, I play basketball with a group of guys, and we call it basketball and Bible study, and it's somewhat evangelistic and discipleship oriented. And I'm 48, and they're all – uh, average about 24. So they're half my, yeah, there are a lot of twenties to 30 year olds. So you got those old know. man skills that you like the, the reach around 
poke out? Yeah, I don't even have long enough arms for that, I wish. But um, I have uh, two to three good games in me, and then we do the devotion so that I can take off afterwards and go ice up. There you go. <laughs> well, they keep playing. So Kobe, LeBron, or Jordan? Oh, man. You know, I'll have to say LeBron. All right. Uh, favorite book of the Bible to read with someone you're meeting with? Uh, recently, I've been going through John all over again with some guys. Favorite uh, non-book of the Bible? Uh, so book written by fellow humans, uh, not inspired like you and I, that you say, this is just a great go-to to, to read through with anybody. What would you say? Uh from Christian perspective, or are you just yeah, saying Christian just, perspective? Yeah. Yep. Um, man, that's really good. Um, uh, God's big picture has been really yep. helpful to to be to have a framework for um, young guys or even old guys in the faith. So, yeah, love that book. Helps give not only uh, a call of what it looks like to follow Jesus, but helps make sense of the Bible too, which is yes. a, a huge yes. thing. Teaches a man to fish, right? All right, TJ. Well, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you helping us follow Jesus by sharing how you think through that and uh, blessings on your ministry. And thanks for stopping by. Thanks so much.